0: Well, welcome to our Couples Encounter. I don't think we've ever really done anything like this before um, for just the couples. We've had all kinds of encounters, but just for the couples. So we're really glad that you guys are here. Um, We know that some of you guys are married. Some of you are newly married. Like we have newly, newlyweds that are here. We have some that have been married for decades. We have some of you guys that are engaged. Um, We've even had singles that registered. So no matter where you're at in this, we're glad that you're here. We, I love that there were people who registered that aren't married yet, but wanted to just come and learn, right? Was a little couple, so I thought that was really cool. So um, wherever you're at, you're here because you care. And I just think that that's awesome. You took time out of your weekend. I mean, it's Friday night. You were probably thinking, I would love to stay home. So you guys are here because you care, or maybe you were bribed. I don't know. Maybe you got bribed. Don't admit that if that's you. Okay. Um, I know for some of you guys, because we have the privilege of just walking through life with you, um, maybe the desire to change has exceeded the desire to stay the same. You guys ever heard that saying before? And you won't change and things don't change until the desire to change exceeds the desire to stay the same. And so maybe in your marriage, that's you. And you're thinking, something's got to change. We need to um, move things around. We need to apply a different approach. And so the desire for that change and that intentionality, you guys brought that in. And I'm so grateful for that. And um, that's our heart. And maybe you have a strong marriage and you're here and you want it to be strengthened even more. You're thinking, hey, it's like maintenance. I remember seeing a sign once, a billboard that said, "We, uh, we get... Uh, checkups on our lawnmowers, but we don't check up on our marriages, right? We get oil changes in our cars and we, we get our tires rotated and we spend a lot of time on our equipment, but we don't spend a ton of time on our marriages. We get in a rut and we kind of just survive. And so you guys are here because you want to hear what the Lord has to say about your marriage and about your relationships. So I commend you guys for that. Um, I say thank you for taking the time to do that. And I want you real quick, this is a practice run because tonight's going to be very interactive. I want you to turn and look to the person that you came with. I want you to look them in the eye and I want you to say thank you. Thank you, thank you that you came. Express that. Look them in the eye. Thank you. I think sometimes if you've been married a while, you forget to say thank you. Okay. So it's a big deal. So thank you guys. I thank you. Tony thanks you. Our staff thanks you for coming and committing your marriage to this time. So um, in your gift bag, as I mentioned, that's for social distancing. If you came in a little late, it's not um, because we're worried that you're going to infect each other. It's because you need the distance during ministry time. Okay. And you're going to figure that out. So if if in the middle of ministry time, I'm going to say it again. If you're like, I need to, we need to move a little further from like, you know, the people right beside us do that because there's space to do that. Okay. If you looked inside your swag bag, who did that already? You already look inside of that bag. Okay. You'll see some goodies in there. Um, Mints, always a good thing, right? Go ahead and open that up. Thank you, Morgan and her sweet team that put these things together. You've got your mints. You guys are sitting this close. You probably need mints. There's uh, Trader Joe's dark chocolate peanut butter cups. Can I hear you in the house? Those are so good. There is a little container of Kleenex, men. I know you're so grateful for that. I know you've been emotionally preparing for this whole night, for the tears that you're anticipating shedding. Those are for you men, all right? Women, they'll share. We're expecting tears, and that's good, okay? Tears are a good thing. And then also you're gonna find a little vial. Did you find that in there? Okay, that's anointing oil. We are up to something, right? This is a very suspicious bag. We are up to something. You're gonna to need to have those things handy, well, specifically the Kleenex and the, uh, the tissue. The chocolate's just if you need some endorphins. Okay, if at some point you're like, I'm gonna need a piece of chocolate, do it. Eat a piece of chocolate, get a piece of candy, you know, happy hormones do that. Um, if you find yourself needing, especially if you had to come alone, if you're if you are single or if your spouse couldn't make it. And during the ministry time, you find yourself needing an activity, okay? Like, okay, I'm sitting here doing this by myself. There are little notepads and pens, or if you wanted to take notes, we don't have enough for everybody, but if you want to, to get a notepad and pen, if you, especially if you came by yourself, um, they, those are available for you. We want you to stick around because afterwards we have desserts, so, and we extended the childcare time, and we let our childcare know so that you guys could have time, just to talk to each other, eat some desserts and um, just get to visit. Okay. So we'll, we'll let you know when you've got to go get your kids and we'll wait till the very last moment. Okay. So you can have this time. So as I said, we are distance around the room because we're going to have some ministry exercises. Okay. For some of you guys, this is going to be super awkward Okay. For some of you, you're going to love every minute of it. You're like already giddy. Cause you're like, I love this. Like you're going to make us do things. Um, husbands, it's going to be good. Okay. It's going to be good. So here are some ministry exercises, do's and don'ts. Okay. So here's what we do want you to do. We do want you to welcome the Holy Spirit to speak. Okay. Okay. We only will go so far in investigating our own hearts and examining our own hearts. And even the psalmist David said, investigate my heart. Examine and see if there be any wicked way in me. Because the Lord desires purity in the innermost parts of our lives. And so we will stop short every time. We just do it gets painful, and we're like, I really don't want to go there. And we want to trust that the Holy Spirit will take us exactly where He wants to take us. And that does not have to be scary, right? That's not a scary thing. It's, a, it's something that we can trust. And so we do want to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us individually and as a couple. And um, We do want to look in the eye of one another, okay? For some of you guys, you're like two ships passing in the night, literally. Okay, this is maybe a little TMI but somewhere in the wee hours of the morning, Tony and I both sleep with earplugs because we live in a circus, but um, we literally like in the dark, and I don't even know if he knew it, we, we passed each other on the way to the bathroom. <laughs> and I don't think he knew because he had his earplugs in and he's trying to stay asleep. Do you know what I'm talking about? And, and middle of the night and you're like, no stimulation, no light, just act like I'm still asleep because you want to get back in bed and go back to sleep. We are literally sometimes two ships passing in the night. So do look each other in the eye, okay, in these exercises. We want you to make eye contact, okay? We want you to touch. You can touch each other, okay? If you need to hold hands, if you need to wrap an arm, if you need to hug, you know, if, if spouse, if you know the other spouse's language is, is touch, go there, okay? Just make some physical contact. If you start laying down, we will call that out, okay? Okay? <laughs> That's what your bedroom's for. And we encourage that, okay? We might talk about that. So get ready, okay? So uh, stay upright, if you don't mind, in your physical touch, okay? We do want you to be honest, okay? This, you're here, right? You're here. The Lord has really prepared this atmosphere for us. I think that you are here because you're supposed to be, and he wants to speak to you, and he wants you to be honest, okay? So do be honest, but here's our don'ts in our ministry exercises, do not accuse, do not indict. In fact, there's nothing about these ministry exercises that are going to even leave room for that. So if you're feeling a little nervous, like, oh no, the laundry list of hurts and offenses is going to unroll right here in church. There's not even going to be a place for that, right? So we're not here to do ministry and then accuse each other or indict each other or to continue to hold each other in, in contempt, okay? So we don't want to pull out that, the laundry list of grievances. There will be appropriate questions and appropriate responses that you have, and you can be honest in those, but it's not an opportunity to be say you, you, you. Tonight, it's I. It's I. This is what the Lord is telling me. And this is, it's basically taking responsibility and being intentional, okay? Um, And then this is the final don't. And this is for guys or girls. Depending on your personality, your emotional wiring, don't shut down. Tony talked about that last week. We tend to power down. And things get hard or it feels a little uncomfortable or it's a place that you're not quite ready to navigate and work through. I want to encourage you guys not to shut down. Press into the things that the Lord is wanting to share and to say to you on behalf of your marriage. Because there is hope tonight. And we firmly, firmly believe that. I want you guys to go ahead and stand as we want. I really want us to prepare our hearts for um, for this time of ministry. We're actually going to be in Hebrews quite a bit because it's just a good book to be in. Incredible perspective for us. And I want to read this as an encouragement to set our hearts. Right, Because it's been a hard couple of weeks. There's so many uncertainties right now. Um, Some of you guys maybe even came in with a lot of hurt because of discussion that you've been in with friends and family. The politics just tend to divide, right? They just do. It's a a really weird season that we're in. And so you maybe came in with just a heavy heart or even just came in with just the the weariness of the week. Because we work and we... We have responsibilities. So I really want to encourage you guys with this. And it's Hebrews 9, 11. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world with his own blood, with Christ's own blood, not the blood of goats and of calves. He entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. I know that tonight we might encounter and confront in a lot of ways, an old system, an old system of thinking, an old system of processing and an old system of relating. And just like he says here in Hebrews, he said, under that old system, there was no way for us to really, truly know the redemption of God, but because of the blood of Jesus, because of what Christ has done for us, not just to save us, not just to save us, but to bring us into life, And life to the full in our own walks with the Lord and in our marriages. He says, think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Would you guys just put your hands in a posture of just receiving As we want to prepare our hearts to worship. We're going to do one song at the beginning and one song at the end. But Lord, we just posture ourselves right now and just take a deep breath and say, thank you for our life. Thank you for our spouse that is standing right here beside us and for their commitment to our marriages. Thank you for the spiritual community that is in this room that is spurring us on in works and good deeds for you, encouraging us as the day of the Lord approaches. And Lord, we are so thankful for the blood of Christ. Thank you that your blood washes over us. It cleanses our consciences, Lord, from the sinful deeds, the things that we do throughout the week and throughout the day. The offenses that have maybe even piled up and the hurt and unforgiveness in our heart, maybe even in our marriage, Lord, thank you that the blood of Jesus covers that right now. Would you guys just begin to thank him with your own words? Thank him for his blood. Thank you, God, that you made a better way. Thank you, Lord, that your word, that your blood speaks a better word, Lord, and it redeems us. It redeemed us from hell, and it can redeem brokenness, it can redeem our hurts, and it can give us a hope and a future. So, Lord, we just say, cleanse our hearts. Cleanse our minds so that we can worship you tonight in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thank you, Jesus. We proclaim that you are rewriting history, shaping our destiny. You're changing things you've already begun this evening. And we believe with all of our hearts that you'll be faithful to complete what you've started. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you guys can be seated. Melissa and I have a lot of things that we want to share with you tonight. We have some things written down that we definitely want to say. I'm sure more than that will come out. When she and I get together, it can get crazy. So hang on to your seats. Let me start by saying how proud I am of you guys. You know, you think of a couple's encounter, and and to some that wouldn't sound appealing. But this room is full, and so I'm going to trust that you are here because there's something that you want the Lord to strengthen in your marriage. You may be here, you're not married yet, but you want to enter into a strong marriage, and so... Really what Melissa and I want to do tonight is we want to encourage you. We want to equip you with what we can in in one evening. And we want to empower you, not just through um, words and and testimonies and scriptures, but um, throughout the course of this evening, we hope that you feel empowered by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Like she was already talking about. Um, I want to start by saying... um, that there's no such thing as a perfect marriage. You know, as some, I know that some um, girls especially, they, they dream about their wedding day and their marriage, and they got it all figured out. And guys, some guys do. I actually have a, a son who can't wait to be married. What did he say the other day? I can't wait to love my wife good. That's what he said. <laughs> yeah, and that's actually my youngest son. Not even my oldest. He just turned 15 on Wednesday. And he's like, I can't wait to love my wife good. So it's not just women that might, um, have an idea of what marriage could look like. And, and usually as we think about it, we have this, this picture perfect thing in mind, but I got to tell you, there's, there's no such thing as a perfect marriage. Melissa and I have not perfected our marriage. But I can say that we have learned to mature our marriage. Now that is possible. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. I want to tell you too that, that maturity, what does it take? It takes time and it takes effort. Isn't that true? And I'm not talking about just in marriage. Marriage. I'm talking about anything in life, but certainly in marriage, maturity takes time and effort. Age alone doesn't bring maturity, right? You can have a 40-year-old man that grew up without a father or a mother who gave great info. He's just lacking info on how to be a godly man, be a godly husband, be a godly father, all of those things. And also have made no effort. Time? Really, time's going to get him there? You hear what I'm saying? No, time doesn't do it. But also, listen, effort alone doesn't bring maturity. You got to hear this. You can have a 24-year-old a that grew up in like um, the epitome of a, of a mature marriage. That was their example. They have all the info and they've been engaged. They had a, a nice year-long engagement and they read all the books. They got all the info. They've done all the effort. But what do they need? Time. Because that first year or two or three, you learn a lot that you didn't read in a book. Isn't that right? Oh, yes, maturity. It takes time and it takes effort. Let's just get that truth out of the way. And we're here tonight to pray that the Lord would do mighty things in the meantime, but also equip us on how to give our best effort. Listen, I'm going to give you this. This is a um, encounter in a sentence. (laughs) Okay. It's not so much a sermon. But this is what Melissa and I want to say to you tonight. If you want to mature your marriage, you must be willing to surrender your past, present, and future to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Let that sink in. If you want to mature your marriage, you have to be willing to surrender your past your present, and your future to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Think about what we know. I like to talk about what we know because it's a good starting point. Sometimes we like to start with what we don't know. Why do we start there? Let's start with what we do know. What we do know is we can't escape our past, present, and future. We can't escape it. Isn't that right? I mean, we try to escape it. We try to escape our past. How? By pretending that that thing that hurt us didn't happen. Or we play down the pain. We just, we just, you know, downplay the effects of how we've been hurt. Oh, man, I'm all right. Oh, dude, I'm so over that. That was a long time ago. Melissa and I have talked many times about how we can even hold people in contempt. Think about a, a court scene. You have the judge and the, and the people and someone has an outburst and does something that's inappropriate for court. What does the judge say? You are now held in contempt and they take them off and they put them in this room until the trial's over or until whenever. I'll deal with you later. That's what we can do sometimes with people. We put them somewhere and we'll deal with you later. In the meantime, they are in that holding pattern, at least in your heart. And we think that somehow hate punishes our offender. So we try to escape our past in several different ways, maybe more ways than those. We also try to escape our future. I mean, I'm sorry, our present. We try to escape our present, either with addictions or distractions. Think about the addictions that our culture has learned to Uh, Escape, our present reality, our present um, moments in our life, alcohol, drugs, pornography, we can fill in the blank with all kinds of stuff. Addictions that we have learned to utilize. And distractions. And that list might even be longer. You got men that can be, and women, can be distracted with work. You've got phones and social media, video games, TVs. Netflix, Amazon, Prime, everything, all the above. And we're all guilty of just about every one of these, right? Let me just say, we try to escape our present, what's going on currently in our life with various, what Melissa and I have learned to call lesser lovers. Melissa's my lover, and I'm hers, right? But it's funny how when things aren't going right in the present... We can find some other lesser lover to get our cues from, to get pleasure from, to get acceptance from. So we try to escape our past, our, our present. We even, I don't know that we know that we're doing this, but we are trying to escape our future. How? When we are choosing fear over faith. We have to learn to recognize when we're doing that, but we oftentimes will choose fear over faith. And when we do, you'd be shocked. At how. Let me just say it this way. We'd be shocked at how different our present would be if somewhere in the past, we wouldn't have clung to fear, but we would have chosen faith. You hear what I'm saying? So in the future, choosing fe- uh, fear over faith it's, it's kind of a way that we escape. So we know what we, we can't escape our past, our present, and future. Okay, we know that. At least we do now, right? If you know it now, say, I do. I do. What else do we know? And I know you know this because I preach it, and Melissa preaches it, and Marvin preaches it every time he shares. And that is this. The Holy Spirit is the helper. Say, so that's true. Come on, say it with Conviction. The Holy Spirit is our helper. Listen, his ministry. Remember what we said. You must be willing to surrender your past, present, and future to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. His ministry. His job. What he's about is comforting. That's what scripture tells us. Comforting. Counseling. Leading us to the truth. All truth, it says. And empowering us to grow and to change. To mature as a person. But tonight we're talking about how the Holy Spirit is wired, geared to help us in our marriage relationship with our spouses. So let me say it again. If you want to mature in your marriage, you must be willing to surrender your past, your present, your future to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. If you've ever had that thought, why can't we get past this? If you've ever said that to your spouse, Or to yourself, why can't we get past this? Why are we still arguing about this? How many times are we going to go around this mountain? Then there is something that needs to be surrendered to the Holy Spirit. And it has something to do with the past, the present, or the future. And you're not going to be able to go on to maturity until in your marriage until you do. I want to read something just to kind of set a pace here. And I know Melissa has quite a bit to share, but on this note, going on to maturity, we see this in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is one of mine and Melissa's favorite books because of the way that it just really pulls the Old Testament and the New Testament together, paints that wonderful, complete picture of the person and work of Jesus Christ. I've always loved Ephesians chapter six because of the way it starts off. Let me read this to you. What did I say? I like that one too. (laughs) Hebrews 6 says, (laughs) therefore, leaving, listen, leaving the elementary teachings about Christ, let us press on to maturity. Let me pause. Leaving the elementary teachings of Christ, it doesn't mean forgetting them or doing away with them having nothing to do with them. It means moving on from the basic teachings of Christ, just the simple things, the foundational things. Moving away from or leaving the elementary teachings about Christ, let us press on to maturity. That's what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about pressing on to maturity in our marriage. Look what it says. Not laying again a foundation. And it goes on to give a list. The first one is repentance from dead works, faith towards God, instru- instructions about baptisms, laying on of hands, and the resurrection of the dead, and eternal le- uh, judgment. The list isn't exhaustive, but there's these things that, that we should have down by now in our faith so that we can move on to meatier things, leaving the milky things not that we still don't need the milk, but we can move on to meat. And it says that you will go on to maturity if God permits. It's saying you will not go on to maturity until you get these basic things down, until you can move on from these simple things, until you can stop going around the same mountains. I know Melissa is going to share some things, but... You know, like you think about what, what is the first thing that you need to address for you to go on to maturity? It's our past. I told you a couple weeks ago in, in marriage counseling that's, that we focus on that most and, for, and, and really first and, and probably foremost, our past. I think I talked to you about the four hurdles in one of the sermons, the four hurdles in marriage, male and female differences. Those are enough to drive you crazy learning to work with and through each other's personalities since opposites usually attract. Number three is, is baggage, hurts, wounds. Jimmy Evans from Marriage Today calls them hurt pockets. The things in our lives have really hurt and wounded us. And we take those on, they're like luggage. This is my green suitcase here. And I came into marriage with a case full of issues. And Melissa did too. And I talked about that fourth category. If you don't address the male, female, the personalities, the, um, the baggage, and deal with these things from your past, what happens is you begin acquiring your own set of luggage together. And it's very difficult when you have to work through all those things to sort through All the stuff in all the suitcases. It's brutal. It starts with your past. So remember what we said. If you want to mature in your marriage, you must be willing to surrender your past, present, future to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I feel like Melissa and I talk about this one way or the other all the time. So I'm not going to complicate this, but the first one is surrendering your past. Surrendering your past. I didn't even realize there were so many of these until I, I saw it actually just today. But there are multiple once you were passages. Once you were, you know you're familiar with the term because we say it to our, pa- our, our spouse all the time. Well, you were, and you were, right? Look what it says in scripture. Once you were alienated from God, you were enemies of God. Once you were dead because of your disobedience. Once you were like sheep and wandered away. Once you were not a people, once you were slaves of sin, once you were far away from God, once you were full of darkness, once you were, all of us have a once you were. Some of our once you were lists are longer than others, but we all have something that we were. And the good thing about these once you were scriptures is they all end with, but now, but now, but it's hard for us to focus on. The but now. And let me tell you, the enemy uses our once words against us. Are you listening to me, saints? The enemy loves, let me say it this way. The enemy loves to attack us from behind. And he most often uses the weights, the weight, the weighty things of our past to bring us down. Does anybody know what a bolus is? I wouldn't expect you to, but maybe some of you guys do. A bolus is a type of throwing weapon made of weights, like these little balls, these weights on the end of an interconnected cords used to capture animals by entangling their legs. Anybody ever seen those like in a movie? Those things you they throw, and they catch your legs, and then you fall? That's what the enemy does. He has learned to put the weights of our past on a rope. And he has precision ability to sling them and wrap us up. You know how I know that? Because of Hebrews chapter 12. I told you the book of Hebrews is good. Ephesians too. But Hebrews 12. Look what it says in Hebrews 12. Check it out. Let us also lay aside. Some versions say throw down or, or cast down. Every encumbrance. Which some translation Translates weights. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which also entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. It is clearly talking about something that has the ability to wrap around our legs and bring us down to fall flat on our face. You guys see that picture? A bolas. Everybody say bolas. You can go look it up and see pictures of them. We know. And that is what the enemy is always doing. He's always coming from behind with our past, trying to entangle us and have us fall flat on our face. That's
0: right. So, Hebrews 3, I want to repeat. He had read that scripture, Hebrews 6 3, and so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. And he's saying, we want to move forward in our maturity in our marriages. And he, you know, he referred to these, these are both of our little carry ons that we have, um, our luggage and, um, we love them. You know, we love traveling. And I said, we, I want, I got a picture of luggage and whenever Tony and I started dating and we got married, I brought my luggage with me. Did anyone else bring theirs? Tony's is green. Mine's this cute red color. And I brought this in, and it's loaded down with all kinds of things from my childhood and hurts and and disappointments, um, sins I committed, sins committed against me, right? And we brought that into our marriage. And it's interesting, the enemy may, he does a great job of bringing up our past. But I tell you what, we often use our own baggage as a weapon in our marriages, I mean, we laughed about it. Tony and I would have totally done this, but we would have imitated knocking each other out with this baggage if that would have helped you get the point across. You know we would. He said, we have experience. So we put on some sparring gear and show y'all what it looks like. But I have a feeling you actually know what this looks like. To be in the middle of a hurt or disappointment or conflict in your marriage and the baggage comes out. It's like you're going on a trip, right? Right? And you're like, hold up, let me get my past. And you bring it into the fight. And then you're all whack across each other's face, you know, and across each other's heart with their pasts, you know. And I learned early on in, in marriage, and, and, it, and as we shared a couple of weeks ago, we, Tony and I nearly divorced three years into our marriage. We didn't have kids yet, but we were stupid, okay, young and dumb, way out of fellowship with the Lord, with church. We weren't tithing. We were just drifting And we systematically used our pasts as weapons. And I drug these, I drug it into almost every argument. And I remember one day Tony saying, will you please stop punishing me for your dad's abandonment, the way he treated you. I am not your dad. And I remember being like, duh. And vice versa. He would punish me.
1: Yeah, I would, I would um, punish Melissa. You know, I, I experienced a lot of rejection early on in my life um, through my um, mom and dad's divorce. And, um, and specifically from my mom. And it, she wasn't meaning to do that. She was young and working through her own luggage. And, uh, but through the course of that, I, I, I really had what I would call a spirit of rejection on me. And so, um, so often Melissa would say or do something. And and my first reaction was to be rejected. And it was just, you know, so between her baggage and my baggage, we, we definitely sparred.
0: Yeah. It was like two Rams, you know, sparring against each other. And I remember the day that I realized that Tony Herring wasn't responsible for one thing that was in this suitcase. He wasn't, I brought this in to our marriage he wasn't responsible. And I remember the Holy Spirit saying, let him off the hook. He didn't do this. He didn't pack this bag. He hasn't been dragging it around. He's got his own, <laughs> right? And I remember thinking, I, so aware, like, what am I doing? Why do I keep bringing this into our conflict and into our fight? And really, guys, it's like Tony's been saying. I mean, we, our pasts are such a, we can't outrun our pasts. We just really can't, you know. Any kind of freedom ministry we, I've done, I don't know if you get, a lot of you guys maybe were at our transformational prayer workshop before COVID hit this year. And, you know, it, LPCs and counselors and the 21 years that we've done pastoral care, a lot of times we're sitting across the, the table from an adult, but really we're ministering to a kid, It's like children's ministry, if you think about it. We're ministering to the hurt kid and to that memory and to the past, or maybe not even a kid, but just before, before the marriage. And we want to press on. We don't want to keep circling around these issues, right? And that might have been the thing, you know. They're like, man, it's the past. I feel like in our marriage, we can't quite shirk this past. It's like luggage we carry into every conversation, every decision, And you guys are going to see as we progress, it's affecting the present and it is affecting the future. It just is. So we have our first exercise, okay? Are you nervous? you sweaty? Anybody got sweaty palms? Did you eat some chocolate? (laughs) This is our first exercise. And what we really want to do, you guys, is we want to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts right now. Show us areas of our past that maybe we haven't surrendered. And this isn't me telling Tony, you haven't surrendered this part of your past. Unpack that suitcase. I want to see everything in it. That's not what we're doing, okay? We are going to ask the Holy Spirit to show us areas of our own past that we have not surrendered to the Lord. You know it because it keeps coming up, whether you've talked about it or fought about it. It's there in your heart. And then we want to confess to one another because the word says that when we confess to one another and pray for each other, we're healed. Did you guys know that? That that's a promise of God? So when we confess to one another any way that these areas have affected our relationship, you know, it's, you know it if it's there. I don't, you don't have to make something up, Okay but you know if there's a part of your past, whether it was something that you did before you were married or if it's a part of your marriage past. You want to confess that. Like, I know that this, that me hanging on to this, basically saying, I know that by me dragging this baggage around and slapping you across the head with it every time that you make a decision or every time I feel insecure or every time this area of my heart gets triggered, every time I'm not feeling safe, and I bring this out. I'm confessing that I know that it's it's affecting our marriage. It's affecting our relationship. So we want to confess that to one another, and then we want to repent. To just admit it is one thing, isn't it? Haven't you guys figured that out? And in marriages, we do that. Like I know, right? Like I know. But then you, we stop short there, right? Like, I know I need to get over this. I know that's part of my path. I mean, we've done this, guys. We've done it. We've played every game, okay? And so we confess that area, but then we stop short, just short of repentance. Repentance of saying, I, I want to do a 180 from this direction in what I've been doing. Ask forgiveness and extend forgiveness. That's a, that's a two-way street, right? Ask forgiveness And extend forgiveness to one another. Listen, guys, girls, when I say guys, I'm not just saying men, but all of you. Even if you have repented of this thing before, if the Holy Spirit brings it up, there's a reason. Okay? Your spouse, Nate, may need to hear it. And do you know, the Lord says, you remember the disciples said, how many times should we forgive? And they're like, seven times? Thinking they're so pious. He's like, no, dude, 70 times seven. Meaning, however many times it takes, walking in forgiveness is a whole nother issue. I mean, we could spend weeks and weeks and weeks on that, but we're really believing that the Lord tonight, in this moment, wants to remove an obstacle, one of the areas in your life of your past. And the thing about it is, we, I wrote this down, I thought, we are never going to solve all of your problems in the next five minutes. In fact, um, we may, you may have a whole Louis Vuitton luggage set, <laughs> and you're just going to unpack the toiletry bag <laughs> tonight, okay? If that's the Im- images that you need, and we want to encourage you, and we'll say this multiple times, ask for help. Seek counsel. Seek out advice, pastoral care, care LPC, freedom ministry, transformational prayer, Get help on forgiveness. This is a big deal, right? This is a major spine issue in our walk with the Lord is forgiving. It's a big deal. So I want us to take a few minutes. If you guys would, we're going to just stop right here. We're going to have some music going, and we're going to give you a few minutes. And I will end up having to interrupt you because we are on a schedule here. But if you guys would just sort of quiet and for a second, we're going to invite the Holy Spirit. And I want you, even with your own words, in your own mouth, not just in your heart, I want you to say it. It doesn't have to be loud. Holy Spirit, show me the things. Show me areas of my past right now that you want to highlight. Lord, your word says the Spirit, the pro- you promised this is, this is one of the functions in the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our life is to lead us into truth. We want to be honest before you right now. We want to be honest. Our heart's open to you. Would you show us an area of our past that we have not surrendered? We know the effect that it's having on our own lives, in our marriage, and in our home. So Holy Spirit, right now we're just saying, Our hearts are laid open and bare to you right now. Would you speak to us? Reveal that area. Give us the courage. The courage to face that. Thank you, Father, that your word says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are in Christ in this room. And your spirit is here. And we invite you to come and heal And do your work in Jesus' name. You guys go ahead and turn to each other. And remember, eye contact, meaningful touches. Turn to each other. The list of little tasks are up here for you guys. Be brave. You know what's awesome is that you can do this on your own at home, right? This is an exercise. This is a practice, you know. Forgiveness is a practice, we sometimes have to work at that, and we think we've dealt with something until maybe a bruise gets hit. You know, we feel insecure about something, and then we're like, oh, I need to practice forgiveness again. So, aren't you so grateful that the Lord is faithful and just to forgive us Amen. of our sins and cleanse us of all righteousness? And because He's forgiven us, we can forgive others. Amen. Isn't that awesome? That's the whole point of it. It's beautiful. So, I invite you guys to do this. Um, I, I I'm aware that people maybe have dealt with that. Maybe you're you're like, yeah, man, we you know we buried the hatchet, but as the old famous line says, but we left the handle sticking out. So should have played that. We can line dance later if y'all want. Wouldn't yeah. be a solo party without a dance. So so um, anyway, just to remind you, if there uh, when the Lord shines light on a situation in our hearts, He wants to bring healing and wholeness. Right? It's not to bring condemnation. Um, or to leave things undone. He's so good to meet us in these places. So um, it's really cool. So um, we want to move into our next, the present. Tony's going to read some scripture, and we'll get into the present.
1: Let me start with reading Hebrews 6. And if you have your Bible or if you have a a device, you're welcome um, to turn there. And let me just say, it, it is amazing how we see these three things in Hebrews 6 past, present, future. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Hebrews chapter six, and we're going to, we're going to push ahead. We're going to start in verse 10. It says, God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Interesting, little little glimpse of the future there. Did you see that? Did you guys happen to see too where it says keep on loving others as long as life lasts? Another way of phrasing that might be As long as you both shall live. Then, verse 12, you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. And when you take all of that together in its entirety, you really see that there is a significance, um, there is a significance. There's a, an important um, role that the way you live, the way you think, the way that you act, the way that you react, the way that you respond, the way that you exist in the present, in the present directly affects the future. Melissa and I talk a lot about this because we have learned We've worked through a lot of things in the past. And every now and then, let me, let me just say, every now and then, we, every now and then we still find uh, like a sock in our suitcase. You know what I'm saying? It's like, whoa, I didn't know that sock was left in there. Or maybe a little ball of lint or something. Okay, there's still stuff in our suitcase. But we've been married a long time and we've worked so hard to empty our suitcases. A lot of our time right now as a couple, in maturing in our marriage is spent in the present, in the present. And unfortunately, we we didn't really address some of these things until a few years into our marriage, and it was long enough to acquire some things together that we were putting in our collective suitcase, the ways that I have disappointed her, ways that she's disappointed me, ways that we've hurt each other along the way in the present because we weren't present in the moment and we just begin stockpiling our suitcase together. I'm not talking about the individual baggages. Those are what led to us creating this baggage right here. And and um there's different seasons that bring different things that you deal with in the present. You might remember those of you who um it's been a while, but some of us are still here. I mean marriage our marriage, uh, in our marriage. Money. Think about the ways that we have talked about and fought and argued and disagreed over, over money. And we've stressed out because we didn't have enough or we didn't like the way they spent or the way, whatever. And how we respond or react or overreact in those creates moments where we're just putting stuff in our collective suitcase together. And now... The husband has to hide things that he spends or the wife has to um, somehow, um, you know, lie about what she has spent. And there's this weird thing in money. I think probably the, the biggest thing for us, and I would imagine if you're here and you have kids and some of you do, some of you don't, some of you will, some of you won't. But those of you who are here, the majority has kids. How many of you know that's our biggest struggle in the present? Whether they are newborns or toddlers or closer to preteen or full-on teen, you may even be an empty nester in your own way, still having to have conversations and potentially arguments and disagreements about your kids. This is a very common area where husbands and wives have a hard time being unified. A great example is how should we discipline? Should we discipline? It's very common that one spouse or the other, they're in very different, some want to spank, some don't want to spank. Some want to allow certain freedoms. Some want to allow no freedoms. And when you're not on the same page, it just begins to really affect the atmosphere of your home. I'm just giving you a real example. This may even be one that that somebody's like really, really, there were some questions that Melissa and I will answer in another format on, on parenting. But this is a huge one. I think a a good example is, is probably the discipline because maybe, you know, you might even speak to that in our home. I mean, um, I just, I was different in the way that I dealt with, um, our boys, Um, In that realm of of discipline and and shaping them and molding them, I don't know if you would want to share. I mean, I'm putting you on the spot. I really am. I'm putting you on the spot.
0: Well, I was just thinking about how the present stressors that impact the health of our homes. And you guys probably immediately thought of present stressors. Raise your hand if you immediately thought of a present stressor. And you were thinking, yeah, maybe even more than the past, what's happening presently in our home is actually kind of creating a rut or we're in an unhealthy pattern and you're feeling the trajectory. You're, you're starting to sense like, oh man, we're heading in a direction now. This present, um, this present stressor is, is uh, making us go in a direction in our marriage that you're like, it's not right. It seems off. It's off kilter just a little bit. And I do think parenting is one of those things. It's been one of the bigger fights in mine and Tony's marriage Um, because we have four kids and the first three were boys and they are all just like him. And so I've raised four Tony Herrings. And so we started dating young. So I'm, I can say that with, you know, with some cred. Okay. Um, and I remember, I remember whenever I had, um, we would go to our pastors, Eric and Susan, and go to them. And then we still go to them. We'll go out, drive out to Azel If we have reached a point where we're like, we aren't agreeing, we can't find unity on a subject or topic. And they were instrumental in the years, especially of helping establish who we are as parents. And um, get, they gave me the illustration um, of, and through the years of ministry, really developed this illustration of bricks and mortar and how the dads are like the ones that are throwing the bricks. They're just throwing the bricks. I should have brought some that'd have been fun. Just throwing bricks out there, these parenting one-liner, these dad one-liners. Hey, boys, you know, and throwing bricks, throwing bricks and throwing bricks, and they can kind of feel harsh, and I'm over here, the mom nurturer, going, what do we do with this pile of bricks that you're throwing at us? Anyone relate to that? You're like, gosh, how much harder can you get with this? And then I'm left with these bricks, and recognizing that as the woman, as the, as the wife and mother, as the nurturer of the home, the Lord really called me to be the mortar, right? To start taking the bricks that dad threw. You know, you're throwing bricks, right? They make those bricks. They harden. They throw them, get them in a pile. Taking the bricks that dad threw, Right? And being like, Let me, let's make a wall out of this, okay? Let's make a house out of this. Let's make a structure out of this. And when I learned and recognized that, first of all, as a man and as a woman, we're gonna approach parenting just a little differently, right? We just are. I carried those babies in me. I nursed those babies. I nurtured those babies. I wanna nurture them. So I'm gonna come at discipline a little differently than my husband's gonna come at. And when I recognize this unique privilege of getting to be the mortar Taking the bricks and getting to help build something beautiful in my kids' lives that's going to hold these nuggets because those bricks in a pile aren't doing much. But whenever I can take the things that he's bringing and the instruction that he's bringing and make those things stick, right, it makes a difference. It totally makes a difference, but it's really hard to get on the same page when it comes to parenting and to be united in that. And you guys, if you're, if, if you were to be honest and I said, hey, stand up, if this has been a fight in your marriage, I'm guessing everyone who has had kids would stand up. It's been a fight in the marriage, how we discipline how we're going to lead them, what we're going to do. Are we too hard? Are we too tough? Are we- Can I give
1: them an example sure. of that? An example for me is um, part of it's the way I'm wired, but also part of it's the way that I'm raised is um, finishing a job. You start a job, you finish the job. You don't necessarily have to have um, a water break um, every 30 seconds per se. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so you know, my boys, one of the, one of the things I've always wanted is for them to grow up and be hard workers, to be people that um, others can count on. If, if When they start something, um, people can believe that, that they'll finish it. But how many of you know that takes work, that takes practice to, um, um, to have that kind of um, follow through and endurance? And so if anything, if it was mowing the yard or if it was um, raking leaves or making their bed or cleaning the room or anything, um, I wanted them to have an understanding of what it means to finish the job um, and you know, an appropriate amount of breaks and stuff like that. Now the th- thing is, is Melissa is every bit a harder worker as I am. And it's not that she's not in that, but for me, I might be like, Hey, Hey, Hey. And for her, she's like, well, it's okay. If they want to take a break real quick, you know, and she's around them a lot more during the day. And so, um, she, I, I'm looking for my sons. Like we started, where did they go? And they're inside drinking lemonade or something. And I would be like, boys get out here and let's finish the job. And she might be like, whoa, whoa. And especially early on, eventually she's like, you're right. You know, when they wouldn't finish the jobs that you wanted them to do, <laughs> you know. So, but but that's okay. I mean, and, and there's plenty of things vice versa, um, you know, those ro- that role reversal there. But just examples of how when you're not on the same page and you don't have uh, a united front, what you're going to find is you you have kids that are afraid to come to one parent about one type of thing and afraid to come to another parent about another type of thing. And it can get worse than that. They will begin to work or manipulate one parent in this realm and then the other in that realm. And what happens is, you know, you think that they've got a system down, but actually they're completely confused. They're completely confused. And that is, we don't have to have that type of... um, environment, that type of atmosphere in our home, we can all be on the same page working together. But, and there's always going to be something, but when the parents are unified, when there can be some sort of um, level playing field or some sort of um, like compromise, I don't think is the right word, but, but some sort of value that's said or vision established. Yeah. Does that make sense?
0: I wanted to give you guys something practically that Tony and I did. You may be sitting here going like, how do you get unified? How do we model that? Um, there were plenty of times that um, we both had to do this. It wasn't just me towards Tony. It was him towards me. That if we weren't agreeing, if something, we were either one of us was being reactive rather than responsive. You guys know there's a difference. We were reacting to the stress of the situation or our frustration, right? Acting out of frustration And Tony throws a brick, and he throws something out there, rather than me being like, what? And fighting him in front of the kids. Like, why would you say that? That's absurd. We're starving. What's wrong with taking a break? I wouldn't do that. I would say, Tone, Dad, we call each other Mom and Dad. We're old like that. Dad, we're all hungry. Do you think it would be okay if we took a break? Instead of being like, you know, and fighting him on it. Or, so I taught the kids how to um, respectfully have an opinion and have, be able to speak what they need, right? Just to respectfully say that. Or, if it wasn't super pressing, but I was like, we can't let, that can't happen again. It's not, it's not going to kill them, but it's, I, this can't happen again. Quietly, not in front of the kids. Go to him or him, go to me. Please don't ever say that again. Don't approach it that way ever again. And we've had to over the years. But you guys, from we had to, and we knew, united front from the beginning. Behind closed doors, you can hash it out in whispers, okay? Yeah. But or we call hissing, okay? It really does sound like demonic hissing behind the door sometimes when you're that, when you're, you know, because we committed. We didn't want to yell in front of the kids, um, yell at each other in front of the kids. So we'll yell at the kids, but we don't want to yell at each other. Um, so, um, but respectfully um, saying that, like, and I love how Tony would model humility in those moments, especially when he, when I'm giving him a, you know, like I'm sensing in the moment, hey, whew, we need to back off these kids. It's more about their heart right now. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, ooh, we need to capture their heart right now. And we're not if we keep going at this rate or we keep doing it this hard or if we keep at this pace. And so I'm like giving him the look like, Dad, don't you think it would be a good idea? You know, and like he usually takes the the cues like, you know what? You're right. It's not going to hurt for us to take a 10-minute break, but boys come right back out here when you're done. And do you guys understand what that's modeling in your home when you can compromise that way, when I mean, you can be respectful to one another that way? That's just one example. But parenting is a stressor. It is. It's a present stressor. And even when your kids are out of the house, anyone who's got adult kids, you know, it's still a stressor. My mom says that she has required more faith to raise adult kids than when we were in the home. And I'm seeing that now. We have one out of the house that it's like, oh man, I just thought I had faith until you send your first one out into the world, right? It's always going to be Can a stressor. Mm-hmm.
1: Listen, h- here's what happens. We, you don't see this. You you probably don't see it sometimes in your own home and in your own situation because we just feel overwhelmed and we're just, you know, um, drowning and have a hard time sometimes recognizing things that are going on in our own lives, our own hearts, our own families, marriages. Melissa and I, um, have had the privilege really of seeing things from, a, um, very objective view in people's lives. And one of the things that we've, we've learned is that when that, and we'll just continue on parenting for a second. I mean, there's so many layers. We talked about discipline and, you know, but there's multiple layers of parenting. But what happens is when the parents can't get in sync, okay, what happens is sometimes on just in general or on certain issues, one or the other is going to bow out. I think of the way I said it this weekend talking about men, and this is often the case, because I think I think um men a lot of times aren't allowed to parent the way they feel like is necessary. And I'm just gonna be brave and say that um because we as men we do have a unique responsibility and a desire to um raise our our, our children with a, a sense of responsibility or whether and it's not to say that our wives don't, we just do it a little differently or we're willing to maybe stand our ground a little longer or whatever. Anyway, what I'm saying is when there's not unity and when we don't get that right, what will happen? And this can happen with the wife too. But what will happen is there's a, there's a power down, like I talked about this weekend. And you can see men just like, all right, well, you raise them. You raise them. They don't maybe not say that out loud, but there is a disengaging from the parenting. And then that becomes a whole new issue. Now, it's not even about the kid's disobedience or disobedience. Why won't you engage? Why won't you just come in here? Why won't you come in here? Why don't you engage? Whatever. You guys hear what I'm saying? And all of a sudden it's like, well, it's the chicken and egg thing. Which comes first? And it doesn't even matter. We just have to find unity for the sake of peace and, and in our homes. And so, I mean, we, we have so many examples of, of that. It's so important for you to get on the same page. And that's just parenting. You know, we True. go on.
0: You guys have seen The Incredibles. We watched that again this week. Remember uh, the mom is it's like chaos at the dinner table and she goes, Bob, engage <laughs> like that. <laughs> we, we know that feeling. Um, you know, the men come home from work and they're, you know, they're like, I need a minute, you know, and they're not necessarily wanting to engage. And the wives are like, come on, please engage. So, so it's not always that the man's wanting to parent the way, um, that, and, and the wife's not letting them. Sometimes the dad's just disengaged from the minute you walked into the house and the, and the mom is like, please do something with these kids. That's another thing that I want to say. I never wanted my children to dread their dad coming home. Okay? I never wanted them to dread that. So I didn't say things like, you're going to get it when your dad gets home. <laughs> well, we'll just let your dad spank. And, and um, first of all, because they didn't think I spanked hard enough, they would ask me to spank. Would, will you spank me or dad? And I'm like, I obviously need to spank harder (laughs) when they're wanting me instead of that. But I never wanted that. I never wanted to create that. I never wanted Tony to walk into that environment in the house, right? And to be like, okay, thanks. I get to come and drop the hammer. But when you're home with them all day and you're just like, I need somebody to engage these kids. You're worn out. You're exhausted. You're tired, right? But we can. Dad, you can come in and engage. And wives, we can. We can let them come into a peaceful home without us needing them to come and drop the hammer and our kids start dreading that their dad gets home. My kids were celebrating, when is dad getting home? And they still ask that, hey, where's dad? When's dad getting home? They want dad home. I never wanted them to dread his discipline or dread his presence in our house. So ladies or or whoever the caretaker is in the house, if there's the guy that's the dad staying home and the mom's out working, and you're like, you're gonna get it when your mom gets (laughs) in. okay? So that can go either ways. So that's a stressor, you guys. Parenting is a stressor. And there are incredible resources that are out there. There are. There are awesome resources on parenting. But like Tony said, time and effort. If you think you're just going to become a good parent, like I'm just going to really morph into a great parent. It does not happen that way. There is so much intentionality, right? I mean, it, there's so much admission that you're wrong in parenting, right? It's like, oh man, I did that they're going to need counseling. <laughs> we tell them y'all are going to need Jesus. Okay. We're helping you get to that. Y'all need Jesus. Like we needed Jesus. Okay. So parenting is one of those things and we're laughing about it, but you guys, the reality is, is that i bet more than one couple in this room. It is world war three in your house right now because of parenting and not to mention over half of homes are now blended. And that's a whole nother element. When you start blending your family and it's hard and you got to go into that prayed up and read up, you got to be prepared for that level. But I think the second thing that we really, I mean, there are so many present day stressors and I wish that we could take time. I would love to just hear what yours is, but Tony and I really summed it up with this. Home life, your work schedule, your over busy, over taxed schedules of just too much going on. Working too late hours, kids are involved in every activity known to man, right? Not to mention church because we want you here all the time, right? Not to mention just community, wanting to go do and do fun things and plan fun things. But one of the biggest stressors in the home right now is our schedules, how we're managing our time and the complete lack of rest margin and Sabbath that's in our houses right now. And it's, it's killing us. It's killing us. And we have to learn. And hey, listen, I remember early, early, early on, this was before we even had all of our kids, we were youth pastors, and we were reading everything we could get, on, get our hands on because we had a couple of hundred kids in our youth group and we have these parents of teens coming to us that were like, um, they just started parenting. Does, does that make sense? Like they're, they're 13, the kids are 12, 13, 14, and they just started to parent. And, they're coming, and we're like, That should happen, I'm guessing, nine months. (laughs) When they have that look in their eye and they touch something that you told them no, you should have been parenting way back then. You should have. But they're like 13, 14, and they're coming at us, Tony and I, complete novices. I mean, I helped raise Marvin, okay? I mean, I didn't have a ton of experience. So we're reading everything we can get our hands on. And we read a lot of Dr. Dobson, and he was kind of the foremost person at that time, the Ezos to Growing Kids God's Way or Baby Wise. And there's a statement that he made that I have never forgotten, and we have applied this 100% across the board in our family in raising our kids and the choices, the things that we say yes to or no to, and it's this. If it is not good for the family, it is not good for the kid. I want to say it one more time. If it's not good for the whole family, it is not good for the kid. If the family is going to suffer because of that schedule, Or because of that, yes, how is it going to be good for the kid? And we will justify that. We want them to have the socialization. We want them to have the experience. We want them to try this. We want them to try that. We want them to reach reach their full potential. And then we've overtaxed our schedules. And if you have more, and even if, listen, guys, we have four kids, and we would allow them to be involved in one thing at a time. But that's four kids, one thing. That's four things. It's easy math. Okay, and we're like, I'm chauffeuring, and I'm like, we had to learn, we had to learn the hard way, how to create margin in our life. You guys know what margin is? It's those around the paper. Remember, don't write on either side of those lines. Leave the margins open. Leave time in your schedule in your life. Tony and I actually get a little flustered over the years of ministry when people are like, "Y'all are so busy." And that's a harmless thing that they're saying most of the time, but I always want, I have a retort that I'm biting back. I'm like, "No, I'm not." I, I have an appropriate amount of things that I have on my schedule. And then I have margin, and I say no to that, or I'll say yes to this. And there are things that are in our lives that we need to stop and take. We've done this many times. we've had to assess, step back. What needs to change? What are the things? I think Tony's going to share a little bit more about this, and that's really pruning. What does pruning look like in your family? What are the things that you're like, well, you've got to step back on this. We made a really hard call just this past week with our 16-year-old on something. We prayed about it. We, it was so hard. It was such a hard decision, and saying no to him on an activity, but it was the right decision It was the right decision. And now we feel such a sense of peace. And honestly, for him, now he feels a release to actually do some of the things that God's called him to do, not just something that he was just wanting to be involved in. So you want to talk about it? Yeah,
1: I'll I'll say um, I think an important aspect of um, maturing in your marriage, um, and you can begin from from, even before you're married if you're engaged here, um, that'll help. Um, is I I just call it um, discerning the pruning. I'll just call it that. And this is a very simple concept, so I'm not going to spend a ton of time here. But I think we all understand what pruning means, right? We think of pruning, we think of pruning shears, right? Something is getting cut off, okay? And I think most of us um, um, recognize when something's being cut off or something's hard. We'll say it that way. Um, Sometimes um, we might say that God's pruning or this is pruning or this is hard thing, but, but really you have to discern the pruning. What, what is actually happening here? Maybe that's not even the best title, discerning the pruning, but when some, let me say it this way, when something difficult is happening in your life, you're going through something, something's happening, bad things going on, whatever you have to discern. Is this one of three things? One, is this the enemy? Is this an attack from the devil? This is difficult thing. Is it the devil? Is he coming against our marriage? Is he coming against our family? Is he coming against, you know, me as a man, her as a woman? Is this the devil? Is this an attack? Or you have to discern, is this um, is this discipline of the Lord? And I don't mean like punishment. I mean, is the Lord pruning? Remember we read this past weekend in the, in the sermon is, is um, that um, trees that are bearing fruit He prunes that they may bear more fruit, right? Think about working out. Okay. I'm, I'm, I might be buff, but more buffness doesn't come. I got to go buffet my body a little bit more, more pushups or more, whatever. I'm in that disciplined moment, stressing my body to where it builds more muscle or whatever. And so is this difficult thing in my life happening because the Lord is allowing it because he wants to, um build something more he's he's um strengthening you or he's allowing it because he's wanting to build your character or build whatever okay so is it the, is it the devil is it god pruning is it the lord's pruning is it actual pruning in your life or could it be the consequence for lack of a better word of decisions that that I've made I'm like I'm stressed out about this because I didn't say no to this like you were talking about I didn't leave margin in my schedule. We're all going crazy here because, you know, um, again, we made a decision not to say yes or to say no to something. And maybe even tonight, maybe even tonight you got here and you walked in these doors and you were fit to be tied with your wife or your husband because you're rolling in late and you're completely embarrassed. And your kids still, you know, their underwear is halfway down, they're, you know, whatever. They're not dressed right, something. And you walk in here mad at each other. Mad at each other. Simply because your husband wasn't willing to ask off 30 minutes early. Or the wife, you know, way too much hairspray in your hair. You know, whatever, I'm being silly. But those little things, they all add up. Margin. Margin in your life, margin in your schedule, margin in the moment. And we have to decide, okay, is this, is this the devil attacking? Because here's what happened. There's times where the, the Lord is pruning. This is a good thing. This, this difficulty is a good thing in your life that God's wanting you to embrace and walk through and you're calling it the devil. Am I the only one that's been there? And, and weird um, flip side of that coin is there's times where the devil is after you, attacking you. And you're like, la, la, la. God is just testing me. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, you need to be rebuking the enemy right now. That's not God. Or you could be calling something to the devil or, or, you know, oh, this is the devil in my life. This is the, you know, the devil's attacking Is No, you overbooked <laughs> or double booked. However, they say, this is your issue. This wasn't Satan. This is your bad time management. So I don't want to go too much on on that, but I just, I just see that, you know, that there's because the reality is, is we're, there's always, like I said, this weekend, there's always something. And if you don't know how to discern, okay, what is this right now in our family's life? What is this? Is the devil attacking? Is the enemy coming against us? Well, then you know how to pray. Is it, is it the Lord, um, strengthening and pruning in our lives? Well, then you know how to um, pray. Is this a decision that we've made to overbook ourselves? Well, then you know how to pray. You know how to adjust. Our
0: our reactions or our responses to our current reality is going to affect the atmosphere of our homes. How many of you guys have experienced that? You just know it. You're reacting. You're irritated. And it's just, you're feeling over overstressed. And underappreciated and you just feel like you don't have margin there it's it's incredibly important you guys and we're going to take the next couple of minutes maybe the next five minutes and you can put the slide up there Devin. we want to we want to take some time to talk about the present because the pre- present really does matter and it's always going to be here right like the present's always going to be a part and we have to learn how to navigate through the stressors i think we have seasons that can be busier than others um It doesn't matter really what season you're in. You have to learn how to navigate through that and navigate through expectations. Um, Know how to communicate what you need to one another, what your expectations are. That's huge, being able to communicate that. And if you're not a great verbal processor, um, trying to find the words on how to communicate to one another, like what you need in this moment, in this present moment. How do you need your spouse to show up, right? And then come into a place of recognizing what needs to go. Like, what needs to give? What can we say yes to? What do we need to say no to so that we're thriving in this environment and our kids aren't just being drugged along in the wake of our decisions, right? Because they are. You guys know that they're the victims of this, our kids are. More than anyone else, our kids are, and they just get drugged through that. You have to fight for it. You have to fight for intentionality in your homes. Tony knows this. My kids know this. I'm like, no, we're going to the table. I don't even care if it's a bowl of cereal. If it's cereal night, and I'm like, we're going to eat that cereal around the table with each other. We need to see each other's faces. That's a, that is something that we fight for in our home is to be able to have meal together. That's biblical, by the way, to be sitting at the table together. Eating together. We will talk more about some of these issues over the next few weeks and some other creative ways that we want to address some of the questions that you ask. But I want us to really quieten our hearts for a minute in this moment and ask this Holy Spirit, show us the areas in our present, the activity, the reality of where we're at right now that we've not surrendered. Is there an area, Holy Spirit, would you show us if there's an area that we are not united that we're not united, that we're not in agreement, whether it's our schedules, our finances, the way that we're raising our kids, how we're planning for something that's coming up. Lord, would you show us areas where we have not surrendered that are impacting our marriages right now? Give us the courage to be honest, to confess what we might need or areas that we know that we've created stress on the home by our choices and, Lord, we want to walk in repentance and just say we're sorry. Forgive us and, for, and to forgive one another. In Jesus' name. We want to give you guys about five minutes to turn, talk to each other, confess to one another ways, areas that are affecting your relationship right now. Remember, this isn't, um, this isn't your past, not this baggage. We're actually talking about the big luggage, okay? You guys remember that scripture in Nehemiah? Do not despise the small beginnings. The Lord just delights to see that the work is begun, okay? So maybe just some work's begun. You're not gonna solve it all here tonight, but these are some practices again for our present, you know, for our past, dealing with our past, dealing with our present. We have to fly, we are cutting content left and right, you guys, okay? So um, we have so much, we had so much content. Another, how about uh, Kepo's Encounter 2.0? so we'll do that another time. But this is the last passage, and this is about our future. And this is, this is just as important, right? Our, having, having vision for our future is super important in our marriages. Listen to what Hebrews 6, 17 um, through whatever, just whenever I stop. I think it's through 20. It's talking about how God has given both his promise. And his oath. That's an 18. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we have fled to him for refuge. We who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary Jesus has already gone in there for us. Remember, we're talking about moving further. Verse 3, remember, says, move forward to further understanding. And it is hope. We hold on to the hope that leads us through, leads us into the sanctuary, beyond the curtain, beyond the veil. So if you look at it this way, kind of our past is the out, outer courts and our present it was sort of like the inner courts in the future is the, is, was the holy, the holy place and then the holy of holies. And Jesus himself, it says Jesus himself has taken us to that place. Beyond the curtain, his blood took us to the place. If you have a visual right now of what was beyond the curtain, it was a significant piece of furniture in the tabernacle. It was the mercy seat, the Ark of the Covenant. And Jesus took us to that place. And as you read through Hebrews, and I encourage you guys to do that as a couple, study this, read this together. Jesus is who took us beyond the curtain to that place of mercy. And if you think about it, if we did not have mercy in our lives, if we didn't receive the mercy of the Lord over our own lives and over our marriages, would we have hope? If we didn't think that we could get to the mercy seat of God, where he is atoned for us, Do you guys know what mercy is? A basic definition is not getting what we deserved. We deserved punishment. We deserved death and wrath. But when we go beyond the curtain where Christ has led us, into our future and into our hope, we find mercy. And that's what we want to have for our marriages as well. And that's what we want to move forward in, in this, in this maturity, moving forward in our maturity, right? This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain. We want to move into that place and have hope. But the reality is a lot of marriages, and we've done marital counseling for 21 years, guys, premarriage marriage and marital counseling. Marriages can reach a place of utter hopelessness, very hard to have hope for the future. And if you think about it, divorce is a product of hopelessness. It is. It's because they lost sight of having any confident expectation of what is to come. Maybe they lost lost confidence that there would be mercy. Maybe they thought, I'm never going to get mercy from my spouse. They're never going to forgive They're not going to forgive themselves. They're not going to forgive this person. They're not going to forgive me. And then this sense of hopelessness comes over them. How do we kind of determine hopelessness in our marriage? How do you know if you're dealing with some hopelessness in your marriage? How do you know if you're lacking hope? Have you ever wondered that? How, how, how do you know that? How do you diagnose that? Because you think, that doesn't sound good. That doesn't sound like something. I don't want my marriage to reach such a place that I don't even have hope for the future. Then you might be saying a statement like this, I don't think this will ever change. I don't believe the situation will change. I don't believe I will change. I don't believe she will change. It's just always going to stay the same. That's hopelessness. That's not a confident expectation of the promises of God being fulfilled in your life. That he can redeem, that he can restore, that we can change. That things may never get better. That your spouse won't change, you won't change. When Tony and I were talking about this, this these levels of hopelessness in our marriage, that things won't change, we were like thinking, he, he said this. He was like, because this one thing doesn't change or because it's taking a lifetime to change, does that mean it's a deal breaker? Does it mean our marriage is beyond repair? Is it everything or is it one thing? Is everything not changing in your marriage or is it one thing? And is it the one thing that we can't seem to get hope for because we've lost vision? Remember that it said earlier in Hebrews 6 or um, in 10 when he says, my desire is that you will keep on loving others He says, then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. You can become spiritually dull and indifferent in your marriages, not just in your walk with the Lord, but in your marriages. You can become spiritually dull and lose hope because you think the situation will never change. Here's another indicator that you might be dealing with hopelessness in your marriage is when when you're lacking the motivation to work on things or to confront things. When you just become apathetic. You've just lost the desire. You feel like it's pointless. It doesn't matter. I've said this a thousand times. I've forgiven a thousand times. And you just think, I'm never going to reach this place, this desired hope, this confident hope. You're struggling, struggling with the hopelessness in your marriage. You're struggling with future. You're struggling with recognizing and having a confidence that, that God's promised good things for you and for your marriage and so many marriages are dangerously close to that edge, you guys.
1: Can I in- interject something right here? And we've seen this so many times. There's like this, um, there's this unspoken threshold. I don't, I don't know what else to call it, but but a threshold. We've seen it many times where when these things aren't addressed, when there's not open communication, when there's not counseling, when there's not accountability and, and um, confession like we did. And I know we just had little, little, five minute segments of talking. And, you know, for some of you, you could have gone all night. Others, you know, were like, I was done at one minute, you know, <laughs> five minutes is a little bit of practice time. And hopefully, you know, it was comfortable enough to maybe do another time. But listen, when there's not that kind of stuff and, and addressing whatever the issues are, or whatever, you know, like Melissa is talking about, there's this threshold. There's this threshold that we, that we cross emotionally that can be crossed emotionally and once you've crossed that threshold it's it, you've really crossed over into the enemy's territory and it's very hard to return because we've stepped into this place of of believing so many lies that our future won't get better that it won't change like this is this is the way it is and we step into that we step over this threshold into this realm of lies and the enemy has definitely thrown his you know, whatever around our feet and we have now fallen and we can't get back up. And that's where you see divorce. That's where you see extramarital affairs. That's where you see those things. And listen, we have, we have stood with people face to face with couple, with people, men and women, and begged them to open their eyes and see how messed up this is. And when they cross that threshold, it is very, very, very hard. And you never know when that next step is crossing that threshold, and like I said this weekend, we we maybe we give ourselves these little, these little, um, you know, well when this happens or when this happens or, you know, and it's usually superficial stuff. Well, we'll be happy when we make enough money or we'll be happy whenever the kid we'll be happy, and we don't address the real issues. And then there's this threshold, and one day we're there, and we're entertaining, flirtatious stuff, we're in some sort of inappropriate situation, relationship with someone else. We've seen it over and over and over and over. And even if it doesn't lead to a fair crossing over to a threshold of apathy, that is so hard to get back and and have passion reunited. Now, God can do anything. God can do anything. But do we really want to play that game? Well, if I get over there, if I make it to that place of apathy or whatever, I mean, God can bring me back. Listen, listen, over and over and over and over, he says, Do not deceive yourselves. The enemy is so sharp, so sly, and he can see better than you can the areas of contention and potential apathy, and he knows how to come in and entangle you. So I just, I don't know, maybe that is even, maybe there's someone in this room or multiple people that are just, they're, they're not even accidentally crossing that line. They're looking for the line. I'm out of here, I'm done. Maybe this was even one of your last ditch efforts to see if something could be reunited. But I'm telling you, it's so dangerous not to, um, not to have, like we said, um, faith that things can change, but fear that they can't.
0: The road between temptation and participation is very short, guys. And when you've reached a place of hopelessness, of apathy and believing that this will never get better, the road is shortening. And you will look for ways out, something to make you feel better. And you'll start, you'll just throw in the towel. If you have become roommates in your marriage, it's a good sign you've lost hope for your future. When you've stopped having sex, something's off. And we want to be gentle and kind because this is a hard subject. If you've come from abuse, if you have had a hard past, but if you've stopped having sex in your marriage, you need some work. You need God to come and heal you. You guys recognize that when you have sex, when you have intercourse, it is renewing the covenant that you made. It is. (laughs) That's right. It's celebration. We had to work through a lot. Tony and I did. We had to work through a lot of stuff because of promiscuity and hurts and abuse. And it was not fun. It's not fun. And I'm so grateful that we didn't give up, that we didn't give up. We didn't, we didn't throw in the towel. There was a season we were literally roommates. We were just paying the bills, okay, just paying the bills. God designed more for you. He wishes more for you guys. There is healing for you in this area of your life. There is. You can be
1: healed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let me tell you, um, a lot of times if I'm talking with husbands, I just kind of go there. I just, if I'm meeting with someone, how you doing? How you you and your wife, how you doing? I, I appreciate the Cowboys. I appreciate the game. I'd really rather talk about you. How you He doing? don't either. He, do- well, he does not, not appreciate the game. I'm I sorry. I am don't appreciate I was calling
0: BS on that one. <laughs> he don't even know who's playing who. Anyway. <laughs> I just, I, I knew Marvin knew the truth and I couldn't.
1: It is true. I was at a, I was at a, uh, on a hunting trip with a bunch of pastors. Hunting trip. How was that on, on a hunting trip? Um, that was already funny. But they were all talking about the game. Well, what'd you think about the cowboy? And I'm, I'm like, man, I don't know. I'm just on. Yeah, but I wasn't lying. I truly did not know. <laughs> anyway. So you
0: just go there anyway. Sorry. Yeah. So I, just... I go
1: there. I go there with man. And and listen. Um, sometimes I'll ask man. Listen, I'll just say, when's the last time you and your wife had sex? And you know, it's always the same reaction. <laughs> I'm not asking for details, man. I'm just asking when's the last. Listen, when when a a husband tells me, oh, it's been a month or so, that's not okay. That's not okay. Unless there's some sort of reason why somebody's sick or, you know, that's not okay. I've heard um, a month or so. It's been a few weeks. It's been a month or so. I've heard, uh, it's been several months. I've heard, it's been a year. It's not okay. Can I just be real right there? That is not okay. When you and your husband, you and your wife are not, uh, I'm not saying you do it every day, you know, unless that's your thing. You know, God bless you, you know. (laughs) But but listen, when you are not, it's what it talks about. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 or, or chapter 7. Do not withhold from one another. except. For a season, and that only is because you're seeking the Lord together. In other words, you're, you're fasting that intimacy for the sake of getting closer to the Lord or hearing from the Lord or something. He says, do not do it. And he goes on to say, because you do not understand how the enemy will come in and tempt. Do Be careful. If there's some sort of emotional thing that's keeping you from that, figure it out. Get some counseling. Because to not be intimate is an open door for the enemy to start sowing things in your marriage. So I didn't mean to get weird on that, but no, it's, it's not okay. And Melissa's heard the same things from wives. Listen, it's not just men saying my wife won't. Listen, we have talked to women who says, my husband, she is always the initiator. My husband will not initiate sex. So it's not always, you know, the typical man gotta, listen, it can be either way. It's not okay. Hmm. Okay, so anyway, sorry.
0: I mean we were sharing this responsibility here. We were. On, yeah, it's a hard topic. So, but we would be so silly to not bring this up at a couples encounter when we're asking the Lord to help us surrender our pasts and our presents and our futures to the Holy Spirit. Into the ministry of the Holy Spirit, sex is intimacy is a part of marriage. It's supposed to be it's supposed to be a beautiful part, and unfortunately, it has gotten distorted in our pasts and all the things that happen pornography all of the heart hurts guys I'm, i don't want to be calloused i'm not calloused i've recognized the hurt we've we have literally journeyed through the hurt and had deliverance but it is important it is essential it is as essential as balancing your checkbook and planning your next vacation and going to your kids ballet recital it's important and it needs to become a priority in your life it does. It needs to become a priority. We are running out of time, and I wish that we could go another hour on this topic, but y'all are probably so glad that we are running out of time, okay? We wanna spend some time, and Devin, I'm gonna kinda of direct you here, cause it's a little, little bit of a change. He's been following so well. But we want to spend some time talking about our future and praying over our future. We need vision, right? We need the vision of the Lord. We need the hope of the Lord over our futures. The world's already dark and scary and crazy enough. Like, what, the, what in the world? Like, what, what does the future hold? We, we don't always know, but we can have hope right here. We can have hope in this level that we got each other. That when all, the world falls apart, this is good right here. That's right. Are we going to bug out together? Okay. <laughs> We got each other. It needs to be the strongest thing. And it takes so much time and work. You need to have hope, and future, hope for your future, a confident hope for your future. So I want you guys to just close your eyes. And we're going to go right into the song, Devons. So if you want to get it ready. Um, but you guys have a little bit of a task here. But Holy Spirit, we want you to come right now in your truth because you only tell the truth. Would you show us the areas where we have help, felt hopeless for our future, where we have lacked motivation, where we've been apathetic, where we have felt like this wouldn't change, I wouldn't change, the situation wouldn't change? God, would you show us those places in our hearts right now? Because, Lord, you've called us to hope, you've called us to a future these marriages and the vows that we spoke to one another before our friends and family and before you, Lord, full of promise, full of hope, full of excitement. God, would you rekindle right now in the name of Jesus, right now, Lord, would you give vision over every marriage in this room in Jesus' name? A hope and a future over every marriage. I pray for passion a renewed passion like before they were engaged and they couldn't keep their hands off each other kind of passion. That, that kind of passion, that they just they thrill at each other's touch. And Lord, I thank you that you give us mercy in the meantime as we walk out our healing and we walk out our wholeness and we practice this, Lord. You're going to give us mercy and grace in the meantime. I want you guys to spend a couple of minutes here in a second, I want you guys to co- spend some time confessing to one another, maybe that sense of hopelessness that you have felt, areas that you know you've been lacking motivation. And then I want you to get out your anointing oil that's in your little bags. And when we're going to go ahead and play the song, this is going to be a completely different thing, but we, for the sake of time and desserts and kids. Get out your anointing oil. You know, we believe in the power of anointing. First of all, it's biblical. The Lord tells us to do that. There's something incredibly, incredibly obedient about anointing one another with oil. So I'm going to ask you guys, I'm going to ask the men specifically in this prayer time. You guys are going to do your conf- confessions towards one, for one another, the areas of hopelessness. Then I want you to pray over each other. Husbands, I want you to anoint your wife. You can put a little on your finger, put it on her forehead if you want to drop it in her hair, if she's cool with that, however you want to do it. But I want us to spend some time. And if you know, if the Lord is saying to you, this is an area I'm needing to make a commitment towards, you might need to turn to your spouse right now. If the Holy Spirit is telling you this and you felt it, turn to them and say, we are going to have sex tonight. <laughs> it's funny. Tony's celebrating right now. I see it. (laughs) But listen, you might need to, in the heat of the moment, say it. Hey, we're going to go home and get the kids to bed. and I'm going to be exhausted, but we're going to have sex. We're going to do this. And we're going to renew our covenant like our wedding night. And take that step of obedience and watch the Lord honor you and honor your marriage. And bring the healing that he needs to bring. So Devin, if you want to go ahead and play the song. You guys, it's familiar. When you're done anointing, I want you to stand. Because we want to come into the presence or be in the presence of the Lord. Stand in his presence and declare these verses. We're literally going to be singing. It's the blessing, the ironic blessing. Over our marriages and over our homes. Okay. So take a time, confess, talk to each other. It's okay if the music's going. Anoint each other.
1: Well, let's end by standing together. And we do have some desserts and, and, you know, there's plenty of time for you guys to mill around and hang out and maybe even get to know some other people. I I just want to really quick bring attention back one more time um, to that sermon in a sentence. If you want to move, if you want to mature in your marriage, you must be willing to surrender your past, present, and future to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I want you to keep that thought in front of you because the reality is this is just a very short time of, uh, again, encouragement, equipping, empowering, but this work can continue. You and your, your spouse can can go for a walk and, and you can talk about um, these things. You can go through those those questions, um, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you about your past or your present? What, what do we need to highlight? What do we need to talk through? What do we need to work through? What do we need to get practical about? What do we need to adjust? It's, it's, an, it's an ongoing conversation because maturity is an ongoing process. Amen? Mm-hmm. Don't stop. If I could leave you with, with one thing, don't, don't stop. Don't stop. Continue having these conversations. The other thing I want to challenge you, men, with, uh, of course, you, you, um, wives as well, is take that anointing oil, and especially if if you know that you know that you know that you need to do this, but it's not a bad practice to do from time to time anyway. And go around to every door and every window and anoint those surfaces. With oil. And pray. um, For the anointing of the Holy Spirit to come. For the blessing of your home. But also the protection of your home. These entrances to our home. Are sealed. The enemy has no place. In this home. Maybe spend a time. A little bit of time worshiping together. And praying together. Maybe grab your wife's hand. If you have children. Pull them in together. And just. Pray an appropriate prayer that doesn't freak them out. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) What are we doing? (laughs) What's outside my window? (laughs) Appropriate prayers, people. Age appropriate. But just anoint. Listen, every entrance into your home, every window, every door.
0: And And, anoint your kids.
1: And anoint your kids.
0: For sure. Anoint them. Um, There's been times that we did that out of desperation. Um, especially with our second one, we were like,
1: Lord Jesus." We we
0: just once he'd Tony to be like, "Get the oil!" Like <laughs> he's so sweet now, so it worked. So
1: everyone understand.
0: Yeah. Well, I want us to just kind of close in prayer. I know we've prayed a lot, but I love sealing a time in prayer and just thanking the Lord. Would you guys go ahead and say that? Thank you, Lord. Thank just you, thank Lord. Him in your own way. Just thank Him. Lord, thank you that you have redeemed our pasts. Lord, we're grateful. Grateful for our our testimony. Lord, thank you that your word says that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony, Lord. So these things that have felt like something that is just like Tony said, like the bolas that's wrapped that's wrapped around us and has knocked us down, Lord, we're praying for a divine reversal in our lives that only the blood of Jesus can do. And the very things that the enemy has used to trip us up will be the things that we use to bring him down, our testimony with the blood of Jesus, Lord. And we no longer look at our pasts as something that defines us or limits us or makes us who we are or we're not, Lord. But we look at it as as something that brings glory to God because of your redemption in Jesus' name. So I'm praying redemption over pasts right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, we're so grateful that you are present. The present of your presence is in our life. And you enter into the chaos and to the consequences of our choices, and you bring peace. And so, Lord, right now, I pray by your spirit you would bring peace to every home as you help them make little choices, little decisions that will have a far-reaching impact in in the atmosphere of their home. And Lord, right now we thank you that you have a hope and a future for us. Would you say that, Lord? I receive your hope and future. We receive that right now for ourselves, for our family, for our children, Lord. I am especially grateful that we are a remnant. We are a remnant of your people, and you are making your bride ready for your return. Lord, we are not like those who give up, we are the faithful ones. Help us to create that culture in our marriage and in our homes that we are the faithful ones. And it is by your grace, and it is in your mercy, Lord, that we see all this time. In Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. We're officially dismissed. Let me say one more thing. If you are at a place where where you need Um, You feel like you're on that way to that threshold we were talking about. Maybe you're a man or you're a woman and you need someone to talk to. Or you feel like you need some um, marriage counseling or something like that. Please reach out to us and, and let us know that. We'll do our very, very best to help. Okay? Bless you guys. Go get you a cookie.